I'm Colin Campbell, and this is the show for musicians and music fans who want to understand the minds, the methods, the magic, the mayhem, and the money behind world-class music. In today's episode, I'm interviewing a man named Travis. I don't know his last name. I forget what it is. If I remembered, I probably would say it, but his stage name is Dirty Eddie. Dirty Eddie. I like it. Two, it's four syllables, two words, like a little sandwich without any meat, but the meat's on the outside. And it's uh, vegan meat. I think he's vegan. At least he's lactose intolerant. I don't know. He's got virtues. He's a noble guy. But he creates amazing synthesizer music. It's like lo-fi dead drum. (laughs) Synthesizer dope-ass music. He's got his high voice. I saw him at an open mic in uh, Montreal. Turbo House, Tuesday. And I met him. I interviewed him. We talked about becoming a pro. Fucking love this guy. Hey, listen. Also, he's got a really good video on YouTube that you you should check out. Dirty Eddie, the ooze. That's O-O-Z-E, the ooze, part one. It's got 17,341 views on YouTube. It's fucking awesome. It's really well done. Travis and the whole crew that did that, great job. Um... I'll tell you just a little snapshot. The guy wakes up, he gets on a scooter. Before that, though, I'm telling the kid like uh, I'm telling the kid like a dumb story. I'm telling the story like a dumb little kid who fucks up the timelines. But he gets out of bed, he goes out of this like strip mall with a cat, puts the cat on a leash, and then the the scene, he gets on a scooter, and then drives beside the cat but the cat's not a cat anymore it's a it's a dude it's a guy in a cat mask (laughs) and the guy in a cat mask gets on the on the scooter and they get milk and it's fucking awesome i love it i love this video you did a phenomenal job and it reflects in the the amount of views that you've got i hope your life works out well in music and i hope you'll have travis join your festival and you'll give him many many greed tokens Greed tokens, USD, CDN, couple of fucking yen, couple of teka teka from Bangladesh, whatever. Some sort of currency that identifies that you value his music, Dirty Eddie's music. Without further ado, I'll do just one more. Uh, Like this and share it, review it. That's the only thing I'm asking. I'm not going to bullshit you with a bunch of garbage ads sending you to some nutrition supplement company with forward slash Colin, bigdickenergy.com. You know that? I'm not going se- to sell that stuff. So share it if you like it. I would love for you to help me. If you get something from this, share it. That's all I'm asking. Hope you're having a great day. Enjoy the Dirty Eddie experience and the ooze and Zumba. Those are two of his songs, at least. Take care for now. Bye-bye. Yo, what's up? Yo, yo, not much. Just chilling. <laughs> how long have you been in montreal i've been in montreal for exactly one month okay yeah and you were uh from you came from came from victoria from victoria yeah originally from edmonton um and i moved to victoria about two years ago okay yeah how was it there victoria is amazing yeah it's a great place uh it's it's filled with musicians, and there's a really, really fantastic, supportive music community. Uh, everyone kind of working together to lift each other up. Uh, it was, uh, it was there that I got the my start as Dirty Eddie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What's the story behind the name? Uh, it's actually uh, it's an uh, homage to my hometown of Edmonton. Okay. Uh, it's what some of my friends and I referred to the city as growing up. Uh, more of an endearing term, because. Uh, you know, we're proud of the dirt that we come from, and uh, we just, yeah, we refer to it as a dirty city because it snows about eight months a year, and every time it snows, we just throw some more sand down. Yeah, and it's all gray and... Yeah, and everything, a lot of brown buildings and just gray and dark and dirty, yeah. yeah. But like I said, it's an endearing term. It's something that we, we grew to love, and we're proud to come from Dirty Eddie. Yeah, nice. <laughs> okay, um... What was the, uh, so before we hopped on, you were talking about the economics of like, you know, uh, of music and 
this is a thing that I like to bring up because to have a life of music and to do it professionally there, I find that there's a, a kind of intersection artistically between like, if you are going for gigs and you have to adhere to someone else's criteria for success, it can fuck with your sense of like what you actually love to make yet you're making money. And there's an exchange there of like, do you do it for love or money? And what have you learned uh, about pursuing music full time and doing it full time economically? Um, well, to start, I, uh, when I moved to Victoria to, uh, to kickstart this whole dirty Eddie adventure, uh, I walked away from like a really great career, a career I'd put in the last seven or eight years towards. And, uh, it was in events and festivals and I was, uh, was making great money, pension benefits, all that jazz, and uh, I walked away from all of it because I kind of fell out of love with the work. Uh, it was on a vacation to Victoria that I stumbled upon this outdoor open mic thing. I played the the next week, and uh, people sang along to the chorus. Not along to it, but they were singing the chorus after the show was over, and we were walking out of the field, and I was just like, what? I was sold. I went back home, quit my job, bought a trailer, packed all my shit up, and moved to Victoria. Nice. Um, <laughs> I so love that shit. I, I, like, I walked away from like every dollar that I was making to make no money with no fans and just a uh, pocket full of hopes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you, wow, man. So how many, what was the approach? Um, what have you found over that time since then? If you could categorize the, what moves the needle forward? What builds fans? What builds the base? Ah, uh, take it to the base. What would you say is like the, the main things that have moved the needle? Well, it was a really unique time when I went to Victoria. It was still pretty much, I wouldn't say peak pandemic, but uh, it was still pretty serious. Um, and there, w there were no venues open. There weren't a whole lot of shows happening. That's kind of like why this outdoor open mic was, was occurring. And uh, because of that, um, you know, I was trying to play as much as I could when I got there. And so any kind of open mic or open jam house parties that I could hear about, I'd make my way there and I'd try and play somehow, play with people, play by myself. And what I really started to realize was uh, the old music scene of pre-COVID had stopped with COVID. Like, no one was playing shows. So the only relevancy was people trying to do stuff online. And as stuff started to slowly reopen, if you weren't part of what was happening in real life, it kind of felt like you were just part of this like historic scene that was just no longer there. Mm. So for me, I was like really ambitious on kind of integrating myself as one of the mainstays in this new music scene. And it's what I told everyone that we would talk about after open mics and stuff. I'm like, we are the music scene now. Uh, and I guess that was like one of the, the driving forces behind it. And just uh, after that, I was just kind of like hitting up at least three open mics a week uh, for as long as possible. I think last week I just did my like 93rd open mic in the last year and a half. So uh, does that answer the question? That was kind of convoluted a little bit. but Yeah, um, open mics, open mics, the music. Uh, open scene. mics, I think like, yeah, just like playing live as much as you can, as often as you can, uh, really helps create community and support the community that you're, you're being a part of. Um, but I think it just, it drives that, that it paves the road to success at least. Cause then you start to like see that it's real. Uh, there are people that start to recognize me or they're following me on Instagram or they've, added me on spotify or something and i could see stats starting to churn and like by no means were they great stats at all but i went from like 30 friends who followed me mm -hmm. to like 70 strangers who were also following me and uh it was really it was really cool and encouraging to have that kind of support um people just stumbling upon me out on the street or in the field hearing my stuff and digging it mm-hmm from what do you think like uh from your previous experience in event production um ha have you do you feel like you've maximized or like uh, 
taken a strategic approach with the connections that you've built there to mm-hmm. take it to a next level or, or what was, how do you incorporate the past into a new future? That's a great question. I probably should have. Um, I mean, I had great contacts in my old profession. Uh, I worked for the, the city at the time. And so uh, anyone that was looking to do an event on public property, they kind of had to go through our office. And so we were working with all types of event organizers and uh, event producers. Uh, when I left, I was, uh, was kind of trying to blaze a trail of glory, I guess, and uh, tried to do it all by myself. Uh, so I really haven't connected those two worlds yet. Besides, what re- does that mean? Blaze a trail of glory. <laughs> like burn I was bridges? To, or? Not burn burn bridges by any means. I left on good terms. Okay, uh, okay. It was more so I just really wanted to do it on my own uh, without any kind of a hand up. I wanted to find out exactly how hard it was. Mm. Um, before I got the job with the with the city doing event production coordination and stuff like that. Uh, I ran a not-for-profit uh, community center for the arts. Okay. It's essentially a giant warehouse on top of a bottle depot in the middle of downtown Edmonton, and it was it was an area that was going uh, going through urban revitalization, which is also known as gentrification. Um, and it was a really churching unique, it up. Yeah, basically and churching it, up the it term. Was, uh, it was really a unique time for us to get the space, as they're trying to make changes in all of the the neighborhood around us uh it was definitely like the roughest neighborhood in that area of edmonton and so no one wanted any kind of like commercial space and we lucked out to get this insanely huge warehouse and so we kind of operated it as a doors open as long as you know how to get a hold of us you can come on in paint the walls smoke drink play music as loud as you want uh then eventually we started to get a little more serious with it and curated events hosted university classes um recorded our own music of course and uh people would rent it out for music videos all kinds of stuff um so i kind of got my feet wet in venue management and event production there then when i got to the city i really jumped in the deep end of just like of everything like being a liaison for all civic services but also being that facility coordinator event producer uh, there was a lot of hats to wear over the time. I mean, seven or eight years is a long time. Uh, and so now as a musician, I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm hitting that last base, uh, about to finish my home run and come full circle on, on really understanding all the positions in that arts and culture industry, mm-hmm. uh, from performer to producer to coordinator and manager. Mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah, it's, uh, whether or not it ends up being financially successful for me is not as important as really understanding like every perspective um, of anyone involved in that mm-hmm. in that world. Yeah, pursuit the pursuit is and what you can learn on the pursuit is so important because mm-hmm. you can't. You know, uh, two weeks ago we went to Brutopia, which is a open mic here on sunday it's actually tonight if you if you want to go <laughs> i think i'm doing corsell tonight <laughs> corsell? Yeah, yeah. okay oh with uh leah uh with avery normally okay Frisco yeah. will be hosting it tonight where's that uh bar to corsell okay uh, i haven't been there yeah it's, you should check it out it's a good one we might go there <laughs> yeah. what time does it start i think the sign up's around nine okay yeah i am out of my meeting at 8 30 so there i might go. go there that's perfect time we might go there <laughs> do they have uh, like equipment do they have drums yeah that, yeah full yeah, drums they got really? keys and keys. Uh, bass and guitar and mic yeah dang dude it sounds like a good time <laughs> yeah on brutopia two weeks ago or was it last week i don't know we prepared and prepared and prepared and we got there i had my um i had my pedal board so we get up and I put my pedal board in and I get set up. Josh got, gets on the drums. Um, Phil gets on the bass and I jumped off stage to grab something and my cord was in the amp and I <laughs> knocked over like the first table's beers. <laughs> and, I, and then I, I'm like flustered and I get up, we start the set 
and something was shorting on my pedal board so the fucking guitar went out <laughs> and the and the mic stand had um one of those big sure like old school elvis looking like my style microphone you have one yeah, of those yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it fucking they had it like extended way out and it kept falling so i'm like trying dude basically everything that could have went wrong with the set and we we amped it up because we wanted to play brutopia so we got we made sure the manager stayed and you just saw this shit show of 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 a performance that just went nowhere ended up turning off my guitar and just like freestyling most of it but to to your point or why i bring it up is because it's like we learned everything not to do Mm -hmm. or like everything that can go wrong you want to go wrong at some point so you can either a emotionally handle it or b tactically strategize to make sure it doesn't happen again becomes a little bit more significant in memory when you make a mistake you know it's like oh that's gonna stand out for a while and you're gonna kind of think about it and never do that again yeah i'm never gonna do that again i that's that's funny we both had a rough open mic week because i went to turbo house on tuesday okay and yeah i brought my roommate who's a drummer and we jammed only once before but he he seemed all right like he seemed like he just jumped right into it and uh we're like just plugging in getting set up he uh he realizes there's no sticks so he's like running around turbo house asking anyone if there's any drum sticks and at that point i'm just like i'm just gonna start the song because like it's all in my mpc and i can do it without a live drummer i just unmute my drum track and uh so i start playing the song and then he like runs across the stage and he's like i got sticks and he like hops on the drums i'm like okay sick this is gonna be great yeah and he couldn't hear the mix the mix and he was off time. at all and oh, yeah. so but he was like he was in time but maybe like a bar behind the whole time and i was just kind of like waiting and every now and then looking back and just hoping he'd catch it and I'd unmute the drums to kind of show him where the where the hits were and then mute it back up again but we actually just like did not sync the entire song yeah and uh i've quit a song once only once before halfway through and I told myself I would never, ever do that again. Yeah. Uh, Got to finish it no matter what. And uh, so, yeah, we finished this, like, terrible song. I think we got a couple pity claps at Turbo House. Yeah, nice. um, I thought we nailed the second song because I was like, okay, no drum machine. I'm just going to do an acoustic guitar and sing this and he'll drum, drum along. And great. we did great. Yeah. I was I was super ready for the third song. And then we got cut off. Well, there's only two songs there. Oh, that's why I was I was like convinced that there was three, and all yeah. of a sudden I'm just like, oh, wait, was it that bad? I thought we just redeemed ourselves. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, a couple of mistakes that you know they stand out in memory, and like now it's never gonna happen again. We'll either always bring drumsticks, or I won't let them jump in halfway through one of my songs. Straight up. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The. And if Tori's listening, you still did great on that second song. You're really psyched. Tori, you're, we love you. I, I, I'm glad your your image in my mind is just beautiful. And we can only get better from here. Yeah, and that's what I was telling him is you know like that was like the worst we could have ever done. Yeah. And then the second song was already better. It's like you know we had a rough start and a strong finish, and that's really what it's about is like kind of working through those kinks and getting that rough start and just kind of like pushing through because I have had some bad open mics. Bad performances. I mean, not bad performances, just like little mistakes. I think any, you know, there's a culture, there's sometimes a culture, and maybe it's a reflection of my own ego, and I have to take responsibility for that, but like there's a culture sometimes of um, comparison and like juxtaposition. Oh, this band isn't like that. Oh, it sounds like this, or defining things into like certain boxes. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, in a an open mic, I do my best to maintain the idea that if you're on stage, you win and you're doing great. Like if you hop on stage, you're doing great. And I feel like if that's the criteria for success, it doesn't really matter what it sounds like because the person's demonstrating the courage to hop up. Absolutely. And kind of like alluding to what I said earlier is uh, like and you're a part of the music scene now. Like, regardless of how bad your music or your performance is, like, you are part of what is, like, happening in the social relevant music scene. Hmm. 
Uh, so like, how can you fail if you're you're a part of the scene that's creating and supporting? That's it. Um, man. So, okay, we're at the Monday open mic. Another open mic that was born from the <laughs> pandemic, because there was no events. So she, uh, Leah did it in a park. They, she did it in a park. She opened a mic, an open mic <laughs> in a park, uh, and. So we're at the open mic and you hop on stage and it was fucking beautiful, dude. <laughs> I love I love two things. The music itself, but how you perform. It's so open and from the heart, literally sticking out your chest and just busting a big fucking love load all over the whole <laughs> crowd. Like from your heart, pow, you're right there. And um, two things, you know, the performance... Um, meaning situating yourself physically with the group of people, how you perform, but the music itself, let's start with the music. Mm -hmm. How did you, what's been the progression in terms of the sound that you develop? You're using synthesizers, yeah. doing like, why not rock and roll or why not like, uh, no, that's a stupid question, but how did you, do, what's the progression of how you developed your sound? Yeah. I used to play in, uh, I mean, I used to play with friends when we had our, our creative space uh, we called it the creative clubhouse and uh yeah i used to play with guitars and drums and keyboards and bass the classic rock band instruments and uh then everyone kind of their priorities changed including mine and we all got jobs and lives and people moved away and stuff and you know the the urge to make music never died with me and so uh it, during those years i'd kind of slowly got into synthesizers and mpcs and stuff what's an mpc an mpc is just a drum machine it's a sequencer and a sampler okay um and so as i started to dive into that world of like drum machines sequencers synthesizers uh i also started to realize like i can i can just get a drummer programmed in here and that's going to cover it for me and i can learn to like loop my synthesizers and I got deeper and deeper into that synth game and eventually like I was recording all my music at home and I had all the gear I needed. I had multiple synthesizers and weighted keys and guitars and basses and every mic I could dream of and I had all of the tools at my disposal uh, to produce for myself and it, it took a while to to figure out exactly how that was going to work and then I went to Victoria, did this outdoor open mic middle of pandemic there's nothing else happening and now i have to figure out how i can do all of what i'm doing in my apartment at this outdoor open mic it's a way different like how can i bring my four keyboards and yeah. guitar and a bass and i can't play all those and i'm looking at artists who are doing live looping with multiple instruments and they're like yeah that's it's doable but i still can't do that in the middle of a field on battery power mm -hmm. so i was really forced to just work off that npc um and so I started making the loops in the NPC, baking it into the tracks, and then figuring out a way that was still performative. Because I had tried it in front of a couple friends before doing the open mic, and they were like, yeah, you know, it sounds good, but, like, is there something else you could do while you're singing? Because, like, don't just hit play and start singing. It's and I'm like, okay, yeah, so... You know, I, I make sure that, like, my track mutes and any kind of effects that I'm doing mm -hmm. or, like, solos and stuff like that, uh, I do that live and put a lot of emphasis on it. So I guess that's how my live performance sound kind of came to be. I feel like my EP still doesn't justify who I am as a live performer. Mm -hmm. um, but my live performance totally encapsulates who I am as a person, as a musician. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. I found the same. Another hard lesson is like, it's not hard lesson, but it was, I didn't meet the expectation that I envisioned in my head of like bringing my controller and a drum machine and mixing a bass line over the drum machine and trying to sing over it mm -hmm. in front of a crowd. <laughs> the energy, it's like, I'm, I was so used to playing rock and roll and be able to get a reaction and like, yeah yeah and get people like hyped up and now they're just like passively sitting there like like do you want me to stop <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> like there's no energy coming yeah. back especially like when you're outside and like you know you're not in a room that has that 
containment of sound and energy where it's just kind of bouncing and reverberating outdoors like that energy can die the moment it leaves the stage area the (laughs) electronic music maintaining that energy that is a next level i have not i've yet to even experience with the crowd Mm -hmm. and you have that was the (laughs) one of the things that i noticed is that i was like how the fuck is he doing that like i couldn't get a reaction like that Mm-hmm. And it's not about getting a reaction, but it was like the sound sounded energetic and dope. And it was, it's baffled me in terms of the electronic sets that I've done. Right. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so now I know the secret. Yeah. And so you're programming the bass lines into the MPC. Yeah. So I play everything beforehand, whether it's on a keyboard or I record the, the audio in. Yeah. And, uh, and then I just, I will slowly unmute tracks one at a time. So what I do is I kind of like build up to my climax and yeah. then reduce it all down to one track. And that's my start of the song. Fucking right. And then I can just kind of do the opposite to finish the song or I can just finish on a hard stop, anything like that. Mm-hmm. But all the stuff, this is really going to be t- tr- yeah, revealing we... all now, but Uh-oh. all the stuff is like, it's short loops, like eight, sometimes four, sometimes 16 bars, but like, it's nothing longer than that ever. And it's just adding so many different layers of instruments that I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors and I'm just distracting everyone from how simple it is, but um, it's, it's just kind of how I find a way to progress such a simple thing it's just like adding more and more and more until you've got this giant cacophony of sound and energy coming out and then we'll finish it (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know um robert rodriguez had an interview with tim ferris and in the interview the main thing that i took away is there is an abundance in limitations and having a simple structure, even in linguistics, uh, having one and two syllable words instead of a bunch of like five dollar words with five syllables, mm-hmm. like y- you're the the simpler uh, something is, the more elegant you can make it because of you know if I had more time I'd write you a shorter letter. Mm-hmm. It's like when you take something simple, it most hits uh, songs are just like that one riff and a simple beat and simplicity is one of the most complex things that you can do sometimes yeah i'm a sucker for pop music too you know like simple catchy stuff even if i don't like it it still like finds a way into my brain that is like oh that was pleasant Mm -hmm. Uh, even if like you know my smarter self is telling me like there's no skill there like (laughs) they're just copping other people all that stuff like put that aside my brain still likes to hear one four five progressions like yeah endlessly (laughs) (laughs) that's so true yeah what have you learned about the production side um once you've you know you're composing and then you're putting it into a DAW and playing it back what have you learned about playback and like mixing oh gosh i've learned i hate mixing yeah Uh, i mean i just try i try and like really spend the time finding the sounds i like Mm -hmm. on my synths and instruments and stuff i record direct i build the songs out re-record tracks as needed and after that i like i kind of lose interest i i need someone else to start the mixing process Mm mm-hmm and then I love going back in, seeing what they did, and undoing everything that I don't agree with. Okay. And then just finding that middle ground. Yeah. Um, that's that's where I find I work best in that mixing stage. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love like doing the production at home. Uh, I use an APC40 Mark II controller, and uh, it's it's an Ableton controller with with clip launching buttons, and it just makes it really easy for me to to make loops of various lengths and then kind of trigger them in and out as I want. Um, and I also have all of my instruments plugged in at the same time. And it's just very, very easy to like navigate Ableton without touching the mouse or the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that, that about sums it up. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a, t- I'm a terrible live drummer uh, or acoustic drummer. I can use the drum machines great, and I can play those pads pretty well now. But uh, when it comes to professional recordings and releasing my EP, uh, I definitely worked with the drummer on that one. Mm-hmm. And I gave him the MPC tracks. I said, you can play with some, you can do some yourself, or we could just leave the MPC on a couple. And we did a healthy mix of all three. Hmm. Damn, dude, that's dope. Yeah, it's it's taken a long time. I mean, I've been I've been messing around, I guess, for ten years, trying to figure out exactly like what's gonna stick, and not necessarily with others, but just like with me. Like, what am I gonna really enjoy doing over and over? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I found it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the performance side mostly, but like I'm still always making loops at home on the NPC. Every day I turn that NPC on. And I'll even do the exact same songs that I play all the time, but I'll just redo them from scratch. Maybe use a different instrument plug-in this time, or maybe use a seventh chord on that third one and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it keeps me entertained, I guess. <laughs> that just fucked me up in a good way because it's like sometimes, um, yeah, I just uh, am putting myself on a scale of... Uh, how much do I actually practice versus like move that synthesizer from one side of the room to the other <laughs> side of the room? What the fuck am I actually doing? I got this like cage and sometimes I'll just like reorganize my entire place instead of like the procrastination is strong. Oh yes. You know, but once you have a perfect workflow, it, it really makes an, in, a huge difference. Uh, and, and like I said, it's taken me a long time and that was a, a huge part of it was figuring out that workflow and how I can get one instrument to talk to the other instrument, how I can get them all plugged in at the same time. And then I'd struggle with like RAM issues or the Mac would update and no longer support one of the programs I was using. And just like, there was always a struggle with the workflow. Mm -hmm. And I feel like right around my first release, I would say maybe six months prior to that is when I felt like I'd really perfected the workflow and things started to happen. Mm-hmm. After that, I was starting to make like music every day. This was mid-pandemic, and I mean, I'd been making music for a long time already, but like now I was really making music every day. I had no reason to do anything else, hmm. and uh, it, it was a large, a large part of that comes down to the workflow. Just having the instruments in the right spots, within just within reach or just out of reach, to kind of encourage you to move a little faster, plan ahead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dope, dude. Uh, what's your uh, goal what's it like looking forward what do you want to do right now i want to i mean my in the end i want to be able to travel and and play my music uh anywhere i want to be able to when i left edmonton my goals were to ride my motorcycle year round you have a motorcycle here i I had to leave it oh Uh, so i brought it i brought all my stuff from victoria to edmonton because my mom's got some space there that i could store so uh, yeah, I drove all my shit to Edmonton, flew back to Victoria, and then flew from Victoria to Montreal. So, and I'm actually flying back to Victoria next week. Okay. <laughs> Just to go play a festival. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, so, yeah, when I left Edmonton, my goals were to hone some type of skill that I could pack into a backpack and take anywhere with me in the world and, and work with that skill. Uh, another goal was to ride my motorcycle year round and, uh, Third goal, I think, was just to do some travel and, and kind of, like, check some boxes that I needed to do for myself. And uh, I nailed all those things. Like, when I went to the island, like, the island was a place of transformation for me. I became, like, the healthiest person I'd ever thought I could become. I'd never thought I'd become. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met a beautiful girl, and we fell in love. And with a lot of encouragement from her, uh, yeah, I, I, like, I have reached some peak physical and mental health and uh it's it's great uh so having checked all those boxes now the skill that i've got is performing music Mm -hmm. and my mpc and my other drum machine and my microphone and my keyboard it all fits in my backpack i can hop on a flare flight and i've done this hop on a flare flight fly to another city and play an open mic stay with someone like family or friends for free and fly back a day or two later and it cost me like a hundred bucks 
for a round trip flight. I don't. Yo, Phil, <laughs> let's do that shit. Yo, that sounds dope, dude. But yeah, if you can, if you can get your gear to be in a backpack, you're not mm. even carry on. Your personal bag only. Yeah, and uh, and love, that's huge. The, it comes back to that. The there's abundance and limitations thing. When you have, when you. Not, I don't like the word force, but when you are confined to certain parameters like that, you make it work. You know, I wonder how many pe- how many hit songs, not that hit songs. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many songs are just produced on antiquated technology simply because the person didn't have the resources to create with like whatever uh daw mm-hmm. or like have the instruments they're using midi shit midi keyboard on like an antiquated daw and create the music that just is beautiful and sounds great because they didn't have the things and it's very doable i mean i think some people choose to do it that way for sure i, I was just recording in someone's place this week like four days ago and uh he's got a version of pro tools from like 15 years ago yeah uh like i asked him if he had a USB-C charger and he didn't even know what USB-C was wow no i don't that's probably a stretch but he's like no USB-C is like way too new technology for to be in his house (laughs) 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 and you know and we didn't struggle with anything as far as like there was nothing tech wise that was holding us back and all the instruments that i was using were his from 30 years ago Wow. Or more. Wow. Uh, and I was actually running some of my MPC MIDI notes out into his keyboards and stuff. Uh, that could that could have opened up a can of worms there. <laughs> I, the only thing I have about that is, can you can I go from one of those synths to my 808 and change the tone on the 808 so that it's dun 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 dun. I would. I wonder. I'm not as familiar with the 808, but yeah. I probably with knowing what I know about MIDI, that's totally doable. Yeah, it just depends on which MIDI keyboard you've got and how you can assign the parameters. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely doable. It happens all the time on my MPC when I like change a track. It'll like change the sound of my synthesizers because I have everything integrated to each other. So okay. when I'm at home, I mean, once upon a time. <laughs> Back in my studio in Victoria, when I had it all connected last, any synth could control any other synth. Huh. So it didn't matter what keys I was on, I just had to like, kind of like touch the patch bay, basically, and send the MIDI from one to the other. Hmm. Uh, so having that interconnectivity made it such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I am such such a uh, novice on this. It's just a matter of like not enough time into the... The other day I drew out a, a, you know, in Logic, they have, or like probably any uh, program, they have like the compressor pops up. It like looks like a a physical thing, unit. I like hand drew the compressor and like, this is a threshold. I was like, what the fuck is a threshold? (laughs) And then I went on ChatGPT. Tell me what a threshold is. Could you give me an analogy for that? I don't understand. And it's like, oh, and I just literally drew out the compressor to try to learn it. So MIDI is the same thing. Like I just haven't taken that thought time to really understand what it means. Mm -hmm. So there's... um, and it's it goes deep and it like I, deep. I don't I still don't even understand like I mostly use MIDI to write my sheet, sheet music, you know, and my MPC is kind of is my notepad. MPC and is a notepad. so you know I'll play a keyboard a MIDI keyboard into my MPC, and then once I've got all that recorded, all those MIDI notes, then I'm sending that MIDI out to a few different synthesizers to see which sounds I want for that track. So. Uh, and I'll flick through the synth presets and mess everything up with the synths as the loop plays over and over those three or four chords or whatever the melody line I played and in the MIDI, and and then I just really spend that time fine fine tuning the synth, um, so I can get that perfect sound right off the start. Hmm. Wow, that I really went. try not to use plugins at all on the computer. I'm just like same. I've got bad ADHD and yeah. and my attention span like especially once i touch a computer it's mm-hmm. like i'm probably just gonna by default open up safari yeah and then you know it's over after that yeah. 
God forbid you see some side boob. Yeah, right. And it's over <laughs> for yeah, five minutes. My girlfriend texts me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, dope, dude. We just went on the technical. We just went off the technical <laughs> cliff into the water there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so if uh, if you're still listening, you're a fucking nerd. First of all, like us, we're geeking out on the on the midi midi nerds. Um, damn, dude. Okay, so you've accomplished your objectives, and now it's basically to amp amp that up, and probably like. I'm assuming make some money doing music. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I walked away from money a long, it feels like a long time ago. Like I've been just burning my savings like crazy. Um, but like I said, I've honed this skill now that I can pack in a backpack or anywhere in the world with relatively cheaply. And I've, kind of got this confidence now when i'm performing mm-hmm. uh you know so i feel confident that i can actually do this type of work and go anywhere and uh yeah it's it's been a <laughs> can you ask me that question again one more time what which one <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> like i said yeah, attention I span it just goes out the window sometimes well let's go in uh, actually on the I remember. Yeah. And it's back just like that. Yeah. It's funny how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So with this backpack and my skills, you know, what I'm really trying to do now, I'm trying to like book some shows, get paid for sure. Do that travel because, you know, I might have traveled a little bit doing these cheap flights and playing open mic somewhere, but I'd like for someone to ask me to come and play. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a huge, a huge next step for sure. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm going to play a festival next weekend in, in Victoria, Fern Fest. It was the first festival I ever attended on the island, and it's got, like, the strongest community vibes I've ever seen at an event, and I just, I cannot wait to go back and play it, and I'm, like, the littlest name on the whole poster, and it's so amazing. I'm, like, look at all that room for growth that I've got. Yeah. Like, I'm on, like, the very last line, like, two artists before and more. You're in the fine print. Like, basically in the fine print, and I was, like pumped about that because like you know like that means there's so much more work ahead of me like i can keep myself busy for a really long time before i get to that top level i think i mean things might move a lot faster than than i'm seeing in my mind but uh it's encouraging for sure well on the encouragement note you have it dude you have it i thank you i saw it i loved your performance and uh i think that I, I fucking am putting in my, my blessings into the angels of rock and roll and EDM and, and music to see you just excel. Because you've <laughs> that huge sound, like you were playing on such a small device, but with some subwoofers and some beautiful PAs and fucking lasers, like <laughs> you could move a crowd. You can, you can, you move crowds, and I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, th- I think a large part of my performance or like the passion that comes out in my performance, I would attribute it to uh, just like having walked away from so much. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not going to give it my all singing this open mic tonight, then like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Because like I could be back in Edmonton in this great apartment making this really great wage with like all kinds of friends and family around. And instead I'm like, sleeping on a four inch mattress, not even a mattress, a foamy on the floor here in Montreal, just cause it was cheap rent and it was a step to just get here and try and break into this scene and start everything from scratch. Cause I don't know anybody here. I had no network or connections. I had Google and Reddit to point me in the direction of the open mics. And, uh, I really think it's just that like, well, what the fuck else am I doing if not, like, giving it my all in this? Like, I might as well just get back to work. Straight up. Um, okay. Can I go... Could I... We could cut this out if it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. comfortable disclosing. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if I could give you, a, like, suggestions and talk about it in terms of marketing. Sure. Just to give a little bit of background, for the last 10 years, I went the opposite direction. I've gone for like high paying marketing, advertising gigs mm-hmm. and music's my passion. But I've learned a lot about like event production and um, selling 
marketing differentiating for service businesses and the thing that sticks out to me the biggest like not like the biggest asset that i think you have in terms of a marketing um there's two things number one waiting to be asked or wanting people to ask you to show up to shows completely rearrange that to um direct marketing and asking people to book you Mm -hmm. so there's a mindset shift of i never want to i we all have that hope that we'll be asked Mm -hmm. yet i feel like in actuality it's a low 20 percent to 10 percent chance when that works out it's almost random but the 80 percent is how can we consciously select where we want to play who we want to play with who we want to open for and relentlessly pursue those opportunities and so that's the first mindset shift is switching over to who do I have from my past there's future focused and then there's past focus so if future focus you want to get more gigs paying gigs with people that you love working with the next question is who from my past could I access to create that opportunity and I think there's like a massive gold mine in relationships that you've developed with event coordinators, producers, managers from your role in the event space. Mm-hmm. So the 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 suggestion and this isn't just to you, it's for anyone including myself to sit down with a pen and paper write down the names of people that you know like and trust who you think know like and trust you who are related to getting gigs and then just reach out to them and have a conversation Mm -hmm. love to hear what you're going what you're up to now um and if there's any way that i could connect you with other people or facilitate what you're looking to create i'm there for you um and here's what i'm working on and here's what i'm looking for Dude, it's the a direct parallel in the business world to music in terms of like networking. It's all mm-hmm. the same because we're just working with people. Of course. But that's the um, that's the thing that if for whatever it's worth, I don't like soliciting advice, but I think that your experience in event production and management, the relationships you've built there, if you can have a conversation with the people that you could um, put you on stages. I think it'd be a useful thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. And me, if I can help you in any way, I will help you in any way. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, one part that kind of like keeps me from doing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every day there's that like no voice in my head telling me like, what are you doing? (laughs) Open mics. Like, come on, (laughs) give up Trav. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like you're 33 years old. You look around, your buddies are getting married, buying houses. They've got, like, really, really good-paying jobs. Yeah. And I'm sleeping on a four-inch foamy. You're my hero, In dude. Montreal here, playing for free. Yeah. Giving it away. Yeah. Just, just maybe you'll take a sticker from me afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that a large part of that goes back to when I was an event liaison, facility coordinator, etc., that was my professional self. And then I like came out here to develop a professional self. And, uh, I guess I still look at it from the lens that like I'm an amateur and like, I don't want to like, like I really want to use that, that networking connection that I've got with these great event organizers one day, but like, I'm not quite there yet, you know, like, cause I've worked with them on their level of like making a 5,000 person music festival or 10,000 or 20,000. And, I'm not there yet, but Yo, you one are, day dude. I will be. You fucking are, man. <laughs> like, you are. Well, thank you. That helps. The sound. The sound is. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I, I just need a bigger PA is really all I need so people <laughs> well, let's will realize. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> let's fucking do it, dude. Even if it, like, we, I'm totally down, like, if we, um, you know about permitting, I don't know the Montreal permit scene, but if we could host, like, this summer... I'm just pitching it, like I'm just creating right off the top of my ADD, mm-hmm. and hopefully it like tickles your ADD. <laughs> but like, Park La Fontaine, best park in Montreal, in my, in my opinion. That's great. I fucking love it. Yeah. 
I was um, just there this week. It's it's top so cheese. top cheese. They have the flat part. They have the trees. They have the circular bottom part with the the, the pond. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Imagine, like, let's. I don't know. I if we could host an event, you know, host an event, get paid hosting events and getting paid that way. I, I, I'm gonna stop there because I'm just creating <laughs> off the top, but like. I think that you've got the sound, dude, and promote the tits off it. You're not an amateur anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I feel, I mean, I put in the work yeah. uh, every day still. Like I said, I turn the NPC on every day and I'm practicing for like whatever open mic is coming next. Uh, wh- My last few months as I was leaving Victoria, I was starting to get a lot more opportunities and venues were actually responding to my emails and be like, yeah, we do have availability. We would love to to get you in on one of these dates and by the time they're getting back to me i'm like i'm actually peacing out to montreal see ya yeah um but i was just kind of getting to the end of like no longer doing it for free i was mm-hmm. like this year i'm not doing any more free shows no more free house parties nothing for free i just got to get something even if it's like a meal in exchange i gotta get something and uh and then coming here, I'm like, ah, well, starting from the bottom, let's get back to the free train. Yeah, um, fucking let go of that, dude. But I feel like I was just going to do that on a fast track here. Yeah. You know, like, come here, meet the scene, do a bunch of open mics just to really understand that community and get a good feel for the venues, go see a bunch of shows, and then just really hit the ground running. Uh, I've already been emailing some some event producers and promoters and stuff just trying to, like, get on people's radar because uh, i really do appreciate you saying i've like hit that level of professionalism i'm just trying to trying to see some i guess like financial validation even if it's like getting paid 20 bucks uh for whatever i do uh but i'm very much it's on my mind now and i'm quickly moving towards it <laughs> dude well i mean uh what's the instagram what's the handle dirty dot eddie dirty dot eddie i yeah, love it dirty yeah. dot like the, an actual dot not d-o-t yeah, yeah. yeah. or dirty eddie.com you'll find all my stuff there Dur- it's so memorable dirty eddie it's like edmonton canada but it's not edmonton it's eddie dirty eddie.com <laughs> or dirty dot eddie on instagram i'm gonna see uh we've i've got my drum machine i've got some synthesizers here i got some mics i got some stuff do you want to play some music or yeah we could try it out yeah Yeah, okay cool (laughs) and we'll split that into the uh podcast yo this is colin campbell this is the show for musicians and music fans who want to understand the minds the methods the magic the mayhem the money behind world-class music if you like this show, please share it. I hope you're having a tremendous day. It was such a joy fucking interviewing and chatting with you, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate me. you, man. Glad to have come by. Yeah, and uh, trusttheband.com if you want to. We're playing. If you're in Montreal, we're playing soon. And uh, hope you have a tremendous time. I'm, str- I'm, milch- I'm milking this outro. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye for good. Farewell. Farewell, friends. Take care. 3080 out. Philly, my nine milli. What up, motherfucker? What up, man? How did it go? It was good.